Thank you very much, Ron, for reading the word for us today. Good morning. My name is Daisy Richardson. I'm part of the team here at Hillcrest, and I get to connect us to the needs in our community. I'm excited to be with you this morning. We want to say a special welcome to our online viewers. We're glad that you're joining with us from home. You're probably cozier and warm than we are, having not had to go out in that icy cold this morning, or wet cold. We're glad you're here either way. We are on our final week of our Discipleship Pathway series, if you've been following with us. We've done about six weeks talking about how we can further our journey with Jesus. What are some of our next steps? If you've missed any weeks, you can go to our podcasts or our YouTube channel, Hillcrest Church in Moose Jaw, and you can find them all there. It's worth catching up. Our discipleship pathway is a simple but comprehensive spiritual journey where everyone can find a next step in becoming a follower of Jesus. That means becoming his disciple and also making disciples. I think we have a visual on our discipleship pathway, our little blobby guy. We've been talking about five categories. There they are. We've talked about celebrating big meaning it's important for the whole church to gather together to worship, for teaching, communion, and prayer. That's what we're doing right now. We've talked about connecting small, that having uh, vital relationships is important to help you in your discipleship path. We've talked about walking with Jesus. That was Pastor Kurt a couple weeks ago, with an emphasis on the importance of your personal relationship with Jesus. And last week, Pastor Steve talked with us about loving deeply because we're a team and we're using the gifts God gives us to serve together in sharing the mission. Now, I get the fun one because today we are going to talk about engaging in mission. And if you count them on your hand like that, I kind of like to think of engaging as mission as this thumb because it makes all these things work effectively together. You try picking up things without it, and you'll discover it's very important. So we're going to jump in this morning and talk about Engage in Mission. Now, it's not too late. Many of you have already completed a discipleship pathway tool online or in person on a piece of paper that has helped you identify what's one next step for me in my growth, in my walk with Jesus um, in these different areas. It's not too late. You can still do that. And you can do that by going to our website, hillcrestmj.com. And at the top, you'll see next steps. And in there, you'll find um, an assessment, online assessment. It'll take you 10, 20 minutes to do. And it'll just help you walk through those categories and say, where could I be growing? Where am I doing well? What is a next step for me in this next year? And if you need a paper copy to help you do that, they're available in the foyer afterwards, or you can contact the church for one as well. You can give us a thumbs up in the comments if you're with us online and you have already finished your online discipleship pathway assessment. That would be great. I'm also going to be referring quite a bit to our website today because there's lots of great resources there on the Engage in Mission piece. So um, you can do it if you're sitting here, and you can do it if you're sitting at home because you probably got me on a screen and a device in your other hand. Go to hillcrestmj.com slash engageinmission, and there's going to be lots of great clicks for you there as we talk about it this morning. All right. What does it mean to be on mission with Jesus? Well... All of us are called to take the good news to the world, letting it influence our families, workplaces, schools, friendships, and neighborhoods. The good news of Jesus changes our motivations and gives us new perspective on what truly matters in life. We're invited to give our time and our money that we might invest in the kingdom initiatives that last at the local level and beyond. 
Hillcrest Church has established local and global partnerships that focus on affecting communities for good and with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The call to live on mission with God is God's strategic design to bring us to maturity in our journey journey as disciples. It's not a final step, not something that you have to work your way up to, but it's central to our identity as followers of Jesus. The passage we're going to look at mostly this morning comes from Matthew 28, and you might know it. It has a title called The Great Commission. It might be a very familiar passage to you. Let me talk a little bit about what has led up to these words that we're going to read in Matthew 28. Well, before this, Jesus has been traveling and teaching for three years. He's had a little band of followers and then bigger ripples of followers beyond them who have followed with him. They have watched him perform miracles. They have watched him face opposition from religious leaders. They witnessed his death just weeks before. When that happened, they went into hiding. It was darkness. It was confusion. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. Many of them thought Jesus was going to be the deliverer who would save them from the Romans. It didn't look like that at all. They went into hiding. And then the greatest miracle of all happened on the third way, on the third day when Jesus came back to life. And you can read accounts of that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What happened? We're going to jump into Matthew 28, verse 16. After Jesus has been appearing to his disciples, they, he gave instructions one day for them to meet him on a certain mountain in Galilee. And so there they went. In verse 16, it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, after these words, we know from Luke's account that he also gives instructions to this group and says, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to send a gift to you. The Father's sending a gift. The Holy Spirit's going to give you power. And we know from Luke's account that spills over into the book of Acts, because he writes that too, that the coming of the Holy Spirit happens in in a powerful way on the day of Pentecost before they are scattered. Now, what is Jesus telling his followers right before he returns to heaven? He has his meeting with them, and then off he goes to heaven, and they're left there standing with their mouths wide open, wondering what will happen next. Well, you've probably heard a message on this passage before. Maybe you've heard it here, or maybe you've heard it from somewhere else. But the language that Jesus uses here is important if we're going to catch what he's instructing them to do. Maybe you've heard it, or maybe you've read it, something like this. Go! Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. I've read it that way, too. The emphasis on the go as the command, and then these three things are going to happen. Well, I'm not a Greek scholar, but this happened to have been written originally in Greek. And when I read what Greek scholars have to say about this passage, it actually goes something like this. So this is for you grammar geeks out there. There's got to be one or two of you. There's four verbs here. Go, make, make disciples, baptize, and teach. But only one of these verbs is an active imperative command. Oh, my goodness. Active imperative commands are usually one word word that we follow by an exclamation mark, like run, eat, jump. 
Those are active imperative commands. And in the Great Commission, his statement to his followers, only one gets the exclamation point, jump, and it's make disciples. And the rest are how these disciples are going to be made, by going, baptizing, and teaching. So it might sound something like this. As you're being made to go, make disciples by baptizing them and teaching them everything I taught you. In the text, the make disciples action tells us what to do, and the others are helping us know how it's going to happen. You know, I don't often remember a specific sermon and who preached it, but I remember years ago, one of our global partners, Barrett Kropp, we're going to talk about them in just a couple minutes here, spoke on this very passage, and it, and it really stuck with me, the example that he gave. He told us this, that he, his wife, Bridget, knows that if he, she wants him to take the garbage out and he's in the middle of something in the house, it's unlikely to happen. But... If she catches him as he's headed out the back door to go to the garage or the yard or whatever and says, on your way, would you please take the garbage out? Well, he does it. It's a no-brainer. He was going that way anyways. Don't tell my kids, but I've been using this little pro tip for years, and it works. On your way out the door, just take that recycling with you. On your way upstairs, just take that laundry basket with you because you're going that way anyways. On your way. It's powerful because it's simple. Jesus knew what was coming for his disciples that he's talking to. He knew his followers were going to face persecution and be scattered. They were not going to get a lovely commissioning service and be sent off, but most of them would flee for their lives. And he's telling them when that happens and whatever happens as you're scattered, my authority and presence will be with you and you are supposed to make disciples as you go on your way. We're all on our way somewhere. He's saying make disciples on your way. So discipleship, as Jesus saw it, is part of everyday life. Whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whoever we're with, we disciple. We're not supposed to be ascending people. We are sent people. We are to be sent. Discipling is a natural part of life for all disciples of Jesus, not just a few called ones. We listen to his Holy Spirit as he leads us, and we follow the next lead. You follow the lead. Maybe you grew up believing that going was for missionaries and sending was for the rest of us. Well, you might be missing out on Christ's invitation, actually, his imperative command to make disciples. In our Hillcrest Next vision paper, which some of you are very familiar with, and maybe it's new to you, we're just lining up where things are going, what we're focusing on in this next season. This is what we say about Engage in Mission. We're called to take the good news to the world, let, letting it influence our families, workplaces, and neighborhoods. We are invited to give our time and our money that we would invest in things that last. This includes building into kingdom initiatives at our own local church and beyond. Engaging is the opposite of withdrawing. It's the opposite of sitting on the sidelines and watching. Recently, I heard a message from a pastor overseas who said it so well. The best way to engage in mission is to let him be the author of your story. Hillcrest mission statement. Let's say it together because I know you know it and it makes me excited. We strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. 
reconciled to God, mature in Christ, all people. So why? Because all authority in heaven was given to Jesus, and he is with us always. How? Well, we're supposed to make disciples of all nations as we go. And what's going to happen? We're going to baptize them. We're going to teach them. We're going to walk alongside them. Christ's words to his followers. I was thinking about this, and this image dropped into my mind. I don't know why. Maybe it's for you farmers. So take it. Here you go with open hands. Christ's word to his followers is like the linchpin on a wheel. So here's an axle, and it's everything that they've seen, that they've heard, that they've experienced with him up until this point. And here's a wheel. It's all the things that are about to happen. The explosion of the early church, the scattering, the persecution, all of that thing. And he's going to pop that wheel on there, and then your linchpin is what holds it from coming off. And that's his word saying, I have all authority. It's been given to me. I am with you all the time. I'm what's going to hold it together so the wheels don't come off as you remember all these things I've taught you and I've done, and as you continue to go forward and make disciples. He can hold us together so the wheels don't come falling off. You know, recently I was really impacted in a a messaging conversation I was having with one of our global partners overseas, and I was really challenged when they told me that they felt through this season like COVID had stolen the spotlight from reaching the unreached. Ouch. They felt like their prayer supporters, they weren't talking about Hillcrest specifically, they were talking about their broad experience. They felt like their prayer supporters and support system back in Canada was too distracted with politics and controversies and the pandemic to focus on what God was doing globally. And I had to ask myself, am I too distracted? Have we let this pandemic season steal our focus from engaging in mission and what he's called us to do? I hope not. And I was encouraged when I saw the stats of those of you who have already finished your discipleship pathway. Well, 46% of the people who have done it have said that praying consistently and receiving prayer that God would fill them with his Holy Spirit so that they could be empowered and motivated to share the gospel with others was a next step for you. That's excellent. A third said that to start surrendering all of my life to be on mission with God was a next step. That's so encouraging. Take those next steps. We'll take them together. So how do we engage in mission at Hillcrest? What does it actually look like? We're going to do three things. And I groaned when I saw this because they gave me three full sermons here, and I got to list them off quick, okay? So there's going to be lots of resources that you can follow up longer on because each of these could easily be a sermon, and I won't make it one. We'll just go through them quickly. But the first one is to live a lifestyle of evangelism. We engage in mission by living a lifestyle of evangelism. Those are terms you've heard for a few years around here if you've been with us. Maybe you're just joining us new and you haven't heard that terminology before. Well, it's that passage that Ron just read us from Luke 10, that story of where Jesus sends out his larger group of disciples, and he tells them, as you go, you're going to bless people in prayer where you go. You're going to spend time with them. You're going to meet the needs that you see, and you're going to say the kingdom of God is here, is near. You're going to share Jesus with them. You're going to tell them about the gospel. And we have lots of resources in this area. And so I would encourage you, if that's new to you, if you haven't heard this before, go to our podcast or onto the YouTube channel. And there's two series that could sum it all up for you really nicely. One is called Start With Blessing, and one is called Unmute Yourself. Choose one of them. They'll cover the same material. 
Um, you could also read, or if you're a listener, you like to do audiobooks, listen to the audiobook of Prayer Evangelism by Ed Silvoso. That's another great resource. Maybe that's on a next step for you. Here's a great next step that fits into living a lifestyle of evangelism. Make a personal prayer list. There's, these are in the bench in front of you this morning, and it's just a quick reminder of a way to make a list because um, almost half of you, 48%, said that this was the next step for you. You needed to actually write down a list of people you were going to pray consistently for. You were going to pray that they would be drawn to Christ and that you would have opportunities to share the gospel with them. It's not a magical bookmark. You can use this. You can use any scrap of paper. You can make a digital list on your phone if that's easier for you to keep track of. But I encourage you, make a list. Start praying for those people. Pray that they would come to know Jesus and that you would be part of their journey. You can prayer walk in your neighborhood. Many of you joined with us this last week on our citywide prayer walk for the Better Together Food Drive, and you prayed in all the sections of the city that the spiritual climate would change for our city. You can do that regularly. You can do that in your part of town. Being ready to share your faith. We have lots of excellent resources. Maybe you're already part of some of these. Maybe you've been part of Sling Training, which is on Tuesday nights, or um, or Alpha, maybe you've been part of that on Tuesday nights. If you haven't, and that's a next step for you, those things are going to happen again. We'll help remind you when that's coming up. Maybe inviting is something that you need to get in the habit of doing. Inviting people to your life group, inviting people to church with you, inviting people to join you in attending an Alpha. Maybe that's part of your next step in living a lifestyle of evangelism. 39% of us said that we need to find ways to intentionally position ourselves to make connections and develop friendships with people who don't know Jesus. That's an excellent next step. So we engage in mission by living a lifestyle of evangelism. That was a six-week series in about six minutes. And secondly, we serve with our local and global missions partners. I want to focus here because we don't talk about these all the time every week. And I want you to know who are our local and global partners and how can you bless them? How can you serve? Well, we're going to start with our local partners. Joe's Place Youth Center. They're all over here. Yay. <laughs> Do you know that Joe's Place has been on Main Street in Moose Jaw for years? They've been running for over 20 years. And all through this pandemic season, they have not stopped their programming. They have shifted in crazy creative ways so that they can continue to minister to youth in our community who are especially in need, and many of whom have been very isolated during, during this time. It happens all the time, every week. It's jam-packed full of ways that they reach out to youth. Maybe you think, well, I don't know if I want to hang out with youth. You don't have to to support this local partner. You can give regularly. Some of their fundraisers had to be canceled this year. That's going to leave a gap. You can give and support. I know many of, you, many of you do. You can volunteer. Cooks on Tuesdays seem to be a consistent need. You can help with special events or show up at a work bee. You can find out ways that you can be there in person. If you're not on their mailing list, get on their mailing list, because then when you get an update, you can read and you can pray specifically for the needs that you see on that list. You can bless and encourage. Joe Duick, he's over here. Wave, wave to us, Joe. 
is back there. Bless and encourage Joe and Karen and their team. Kyle McLean, Dave Falk, they're sitting over here too. This is real. This is Joe's place section. Just go wander over there after service and encourage them. Bless them. We appreciate being partners with them. We are also partners locally with Kettleston Gospel Camp. You can find them at kettlestongospelcamp.com. You can regularly give to them. You can work or volunteer at camp. They're out at Last Mountain Lake, and it was so good to be back at camp this summer. How many of you actually got out there this summer after the year being off? Oh, so good. It was so good to be out there. You can go. You can send your kids. Please partner in prayer, especially this season. There's some leadership transitions that are happening. Pray for the leadership at Kettleston um, for the next season, that God would bring in the right people for the season so we can continue to um, partner with Kettleston and, and bless the thousands that actually come out there. We also partner locally to reach newcomers to Canada. This is my baby, so we're going to cuddle this one for a little bit. So here's why we engage with immigrants and refugees. And let me explain the difference. Immigrants are people born outside of Canada who come to Canada by choice. They come here for education, for business opportunities, to be with family, whatever. Refugees are people who come from other countries because they're forced to. They've been displaced because of war and persecution, and they don't get a choice all the time. When a country says, we'll take you, they say yes. And so it's two very different paths, but they end up right here on our doorstep. And I truly believe with all my heart that they are here to hear. They are here to hear that God has brought them. There's one of two reasons, either one they're a follower of Jesus, and they need to partner with us in the gospel in Canada because we need international partners to spread the gospel in Canada. So we need to connect because they need to, they need to be part of the body in Canada. Or they don't know Jesus, and God has brought them all this way so that they can know him. So we need to be involved so that we can show the love of Jesus, and they can have a chance to be transformed by his love and his grace and his power. So there's a couple of ways you can be involved. We welcome refugees regularly whenever they come through a partnership with the Moose Jaw Multicultural Council. On our side, we call it Welcome the World in Jesus' Name. And what you get to do is you get to, as an individual or as a family, deliver a welcome kit to a refugee family as they move into their new home. We've been doing this for about eight years, and it opens doors to bless and spend time and meet needs and share Jesus. And I have a eager list of you. I'm so excited about this list of you that are waiting because we expect a lot of arrivals to come in the next few months, and so I haven't forgotten you. They're coming, and we're ready. Secondly, this is new, um, our Let's Talk English Conversation Circle. So this started in September. We meet Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. here, and we are here to practice English and make friends. We believe this is just one step in our obedience into being connected more broadly to the newcomer population in our city. And most of our guests right now who are coming are immigrant business owners. Many of them have been in Canada for less than a year. So we're very excited to see this launched. We welcome you to come and check it out if you think this might be a way that you would like to connect to be able to be an English partner for somebody. You can come on a Wednesday before November 17th and see if it's a fit for you. We also partner with the food bank because feeding the hungry is a biblical principle. And the Better Together Food Drive is this week. You have been out delivering and praying through all of 
Moose Jaw. In fact, I'll just put a plug. There is one more South Hill route that still needs to be delivered and prayed to. You can grab it on the back there. Um, I can't remember. It's a couple hundred doors. I think if you would like to take ownership of that part, that would be great. But we've prayed and we've delivered, and now we're just encouraging the community and you to give generously. And if you want to do that right now, mjfoodbank.org, that's the link. You just give straight to them. Our goal is 50000 in the community. It would be wonderful to raise that again and bless them so that they can continue to feed the hungry in our city. So in addition to our local partners, we have global partners. And we have a, we have a slide for this one, too. So you can see a few faces, because many of you won't know these faces. So here's some of our global partners. Barrett and Bridget Kropf, I mentioned him earlier. They're with Athletes in Action, based out of Trinity Western University in Langley, BC. Barrett is actually the head coach of of, um, Trinity's hockey team. You know me. I don't follow sports. I'm not big on sports analogies. But every time I hear Barrett speak, I am in tears. Because God is at work among athletes of all levels, and I'm so thankful that God equips the body with gifts of all kinds so that all kinds of people can hear and respond to the gospel, and they are involved in that. Um, it's excellent ministry. They're home. Oh, sorry. They're homegrown Saskatchewan people. They're a part of us for lots of years. We also have partners, D and A, in, who minister in Asia, and their names and faces aren't up there for a reason, but they are bringing the gospel to people who have literally never met a follower of Jesus before in their life. They have excellent a blog you can follow, newsletters. Contact the office, and we'll let you know how to do that. Um, we also partner with Lisa Hogg. We've partnered for decades with her, her smiling faces up there. And we want to say hi to Lisa, who's probably watching at about 1 o'clock in the morning in Thailand. We know she joins us weekly. Um, she's with YWAM. And God continues to use Lisa to go into places that most people would be terrified to go near. And he uses her to reach out to the marginalized, and we're, we're just excited to continue that partnership. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know our partnerships have shifted this year. We partnered for 50 years with David and Denise Matson, who were in Thailand, or sorry, Taiwan, and uh, they've both passed away now. So you can stay tuned, because we know this next season God has plans for us to continue to partner globally, and keep your ear to the ground. You're going to hear more about that in the coming months. I'm excited about where he might lead us. So some next steps for our local and global partnerships. What are some things that you might actually do next? Well, I think it has to do with knowing, praying, giving, and going. So no, maybe you just need to know more about some of these. Sign up for a newsletter. Connect with them personally if they're a local partner. Hear stories about how God is at work and what the needs are, because that will move us to action. As you hear those stories, pray for them. You'll hear specific needs. You pray more specifically. When you get an email update, join or join an online prayer group. You'll be more connected. You know, years ago, I felt that the next step for me in mission engagement was that each time a specific global partner sent an update, like just the, the general newsletter, I just felt I was supposed to email back personally, just with a little word of encouragement or whatever comment on what I read. And now we've actually been doing this for years. And we were friends before, but I've so appreciated how the Lord has used those simple messages back and forth to connect us, to encourage each other. I pray for her more often. I'm more connected. We give more often. It was a simple next step. Maybe there's something like that for you. 
giving generously. You can give generally or you can give specifically. You can give generally to missions at Hillcrest or you can give very specifically to one of um, the partners that we're talking about. Years ago at one of our ACOP missions conferences, a, a speaker challenged us, and I always remember these words, that the unreached will not be reached on pocket change. The unreached will not be reached on our pocket change. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to take great investment and sacrifices of many kinds, including financial, to see unreached peoples of the world come to know Jesus. And you can be part of that. Now, just because we didn't focus on the go part of Matthew 28 doesn't mean that going might not be a next step for you. Be open to where God might lead you. Maybe it's for a short time. Maybe it's for a long time. I get to work on our missions committee with ACOP, and I'm always excited when we get to see the applications of those coming that are getting ready to go. And I'll just tell you, this is an exciting season. We have young men and women, young couples who are eager and ready to be launched to unreached peoples of the world and serve in that way. It's very exciting. So we engage in mission by living a lifestyle of evangelism, by serving with our local and global partners in mission, and finally, by practicing tithing and generosity. Oh, we're going to end on this? You know, there's a cartoon ad that keeps popping up on one of some show that I've been watching, and maybe you've seen it. And um, it's for, I think, debt counseling agency. It says Canadians would rather go fishing in their, go ice fishing in their underwear or chug a liter of maple syrup and all these ridiculous Canadian stereotypes. They would rather do these things than talk about their debt, but debt isn't going away. And then it tells you how they can help you. Maybe you feel a little bit like that about talking about money in church. I would rather be out ice fishing in my underwear. But did you know that the subject of money and giving is mentioned three times as many times as love is mentioned in God's word? There's a number, 2,162 times in the Bible. Why is it mentioned so much? Well, because handling money is a really important biblical principle and often one we struggle with. So we're going to talk for a few minutes about this principle of generosity. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19 says this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Take hold of that life that is truly life. You see, when God delivers his people, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt, he takes them through a dramatic cultural change. He's leading millions of slaves to freedom in a promised land for 400 years. That's so many generations, nobody actually has a living memory of when they arrived. 400 years, they've been living among idol-worshipping Egyptians. God picks them up, plucks them out, and proceeds to shape them into a nation that will serve one God and be set apart. It's a dramatic transformation. So in this process, God wants to transform their mindset from one of being slaves, working for a ruthless master, to one of free people who serve a loving, gracious, holy God. He's transforming them from this scarcity mentality of slaves getting by on nothing, barely surviving, to the abundant mentality of people who will steward and manage this land of milk and honey that's bursting with everything they need. Do you see the difference? Now, God knows us. He knows our weaknesses. If these people 
go from having nothing to having everything, what are they most likely to be filled with? Gratitude or greed? So God sets up a system of laws for them to follow, to shape them, to train them, to ever remind them that he delivered them, he saved them, and he provides for them. That everything that they have comes from his hand. We see this throughout the Old Testament. It shows up in things like Sabbath rest. I love this one. A day of rest from work to worship God. This is something a slave would never receive. Uh Uh-uh. It serves as a weekly reminder to them that God delivered them and they're free. And they're free to worship him. It shows up in his laws about giving back to God from their harvest, from their wealth. There's a whole system of tithing, which means giving one-tenth or 10% of their wealth to God. It was a reminder that everything came from him, and they were simply entrusted to manage it. So what does this have to do with you and me in 2021? Are we under all these Old Testament laws? No. Jesus ushers in a new covenant, so we don't have to do things like animal sacrifices to cover our guilt. We're free from sin by the power of Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't live under a legalistic set of laws, but we walk in grace and we respond to him because he has set us free. 1 Peter 2.9, and I hope some of your life groups will jump into this one this week. I think it's on your list. It says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We respond to God's mission because of what we've received in him. And as we read the New Testament, we see that Jesus actually takes the principles of the Old Testament law to a new level. Let me explain. He's asked about the law a lot because his, the people that oppose him are trying to trap him. They're always trying to get him to say something that will justify their anger against him and get him arrested. They want him to contradict the law. And so there's lots of questions about it. And there's this wonderful passage in Matthew where over and over again, Jesus makes a statement like this. You have heard it said, and then he repeats part of their law that they have been meticulous following, meticulously following. And then he says, but I tell you, and he takes it up a notch. Things like this. You have heard it said, don't murder. This is a capital offense. But I tell you, don't hate in your heart. He's saying it's the same as murder. What? He says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at someone lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. Jesus takes it to the next level by saying, it's not a matter of outwardly following these rules. It's a matter of your heart. Where is your heart? Matthew 6, just a little ways after that, Matthew 6, 19 says this, I think you've probably heard this one before. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a matter of where my heart is. 
So when it comes to our finances and the way we live, it's not just about following rigid rules. Maybe some rules help us get started. So should I be giving 10% of my net income or is it my gross income? And what if somebody hands me a birthday gift? Then should I be calculating off to the side? And That's what the Pharisees did. They were weighing their herbs from their garden and pinching off portions to make sure that exactly 10% was given. They were following the letter of the law, but were their hearts generous? Not at all. So it's a matter of heart. I want to live with radical generosity because of what I've received in Jesus. It's all his. And when I give especially when I give to the kingdom, it reminds me, it's all yours. You gave me this. So don't get all hung up on numbers. Maybe it's a starting point for you, not a goal. Start somewhere. Give regularly. But don't be like those Pharisees, and don't be just worried about the pence and nickels and diming. That's, that's how some kids are when you start to train them to give, isn't it? Well, I have one of those. Well, then you're calculating. Do we round up or do we round down? Or Let's not worry about that part. He sees your heart. Are you giving generously or grudgingly? And if you feel grudgingly when you give, ask him to transform your heart. The principle is to live with a generous heart, always giving. Ask him to increase that desire for generosity with a kingdom mindset. And you might say, well, I am generous. I spoil my grandkids. I loan things to my sister. Well, that's great. Keep doing those things. But we're talking about generosity in the context of God's mission in the world, of engaging in mission. That's a whole sermon series on its own. In fact, if you want to hear a whole sermon, if you think, yeah, I'd like to hear more about this, if you'd like to hear some biblical teaching on this subject, and it'll show up in the comments if you're online with us, go to sanctuschurch.com slash tithing. Wonderful sermon that'll just walk you through lots of biblical principles when it comes to finances. Maybe there's a next step for you in there somewhere. All right. I appreciate you coming along this morning as we talk about engaging in mission. Don't forget, there's still a chance. Maybe you need some reflecting time. This is what I sensed as I started to prepare. I thought, you know, of those five things, celebrating big, connecting small, all those things, lots of them we're familiar with. But maybe the engaging in mission part is the part that you thought, I don't, I don't know about this one. I just don't know where it fits. Or maybe you felt like you had to get A pluses on all of these things before you could do this. That's not true. We're going to grow in all of them. We're going to constantly be growing in all of them all the time. So maybe after hearing this morning, you've thought, oh, I'm going to think this one through. Maybe there actually are some next steps for me in this. Um, We're going to take a moment to pause and do some reflection. So I just want to remind you, all of us are called to take the good news to the world. We're called to let it influence ourselves, our families, workplaces, schools, friendships, neighborhoods. That's that lifestyle of evangelism. The good news of Jesus changes our motivations. It cultivates generosity in our heart. It gives us new perspective on what truly matters in life. And he's inviting us into what he's doing and also commanding that we do it. We're invited to give our time and our money and invest in kingdom things that last. And you can do that locally. You can do that beyond. We want to live a life on mission with God. It's part of how he grows us up in our faith is when we realize it's not all about us anymore. It's not a final step in maturity, but it is central to our identity as followers of Jesus. We're going to take a moment and just pause 
and let the Holy Spirit just nudge you if you need a nudge for next step, if you're already a follower of Jesus. But I realize maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're thinking, what? Jesus has good plans. What? Jesus didn't stay dead. He knows me. He loves me. You can start a journey with Jesus today. That's a wonderful part. So as some of you are reflecting, I just want to take a moment. And if you haven't started a journey with Jesus, you can start that today. There's not a magical prayer. It's not magic words, but you could pray something like this. He knows your heart. Dear Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross, to take away my sin and shame. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live a life that honors you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The band's going to lead us in a song, and then Pastor Dave's going to close us off.